For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, just like we promised, once again, we are back with the latest edition of Gun on One. You know, I've been in this business over four decades, and among my many travels, I've had the the good fortune of making so many friends along the way. And I've been in the Philadelphia region for over 25 years. And one of the guys that I am honored to get to know um, and I have a lot of respect for is my guest on this week's Gun on One. He is the one and only. Tim McManus from ESPN.com. Don't go anywhere. Gun on one coming at you right now. This is Sal Palantonio from ESPN. I'm Brandon Graham. Lane Johnson here. This is the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. This is Donovan McNabb. This is Chris Long. This is Mark Sumoff, the TV voice of the 76ers on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Eagles Hall of Fame quarterback Ron Jaworski. Hello, I'm Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova Basketball. Hey, I'm Brian Westbrook, and you're listening to the Gun On One podcast. And what's happening? This is your blessed boy, Brian Dawkins, Hall of Famer, and you're locked in to Gun On One. We're locked in to the Gun On One. Gun On One. Gun On One. You are locked on to Gun On One. I've been on the air for 25 years, but I could not wait to be on Gun On One with my man, Derek Gump. ESPN Bracketologist Joe Lenardi telling you to stay locked on to Gun on One. It is a number one seed. Hey, we are back on this latest edition of Gun on One. And as I promised, I'm not going to keep him held up any longer because I know he's a busy man. I'm sure even as we sit here, the wheels are spinning in terms of what his next story is going to be. Hey, you can follow him on the social media platforms, especially Twitter, but more importantly, each and every day, read his writings on ESPN.com. My man, Tim McManus. T-Max, how you doing, my brother? You got It's good to be with you, man. Good to see you. Likewise, man. Uh, first of all, I'm going to start off by saying happy holidays to you because I don't know when I might see you again. But I know uh, yeah. you. I'll be with you in spirit. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Happy holidays to you and the family. I know it's a, it's a busy time for all of us, right? Yeah, and I'm telling you, man. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a busy time for us, but it's such a joyous time for us as well if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan and you know we've watched this team now through 12 games and it just continues to impress me 
how this team can impose their will on anybody at the drop of a hat. Not many teams in the National Football League can say that. I would say, yeah. I mean, how many can go from 300-plus yards rushing to 300-plus yards passing in one week like that? It's a it's a special gift to have as an offense. It doesn't come along very often. I think the last team to, to do what the Eagles did over the course of the last two weeks was back in, like, 1988. Uh, you know, so that tells you just how rare – what the Eagles are doing, in fact, is. And it makes them dangerous, right? Because mm. uh, because defenses have to game plan for them. And what do you do? Like, just put yourself in the position of a defensive coordinator. It's like, all right, what am I going to do this week? All right, well, let's take away the run. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith chewing you up. And, uh, you know, if you decide to, to take away the pass, then obviously, you know, that goes to, to their bread and butter over the, over the last two seasons. And so – they're well equipped. I mean, you know, they're, they're all trying not to get ahead of themselves and, and we're trying to do the same thing. We have a little mm-hmm. bit more luxury to be able to look at big, bigger picture. Uh, but man, they, they seem really well equipped for, for not just the here and now, but for what's to come in January. You have to start at the top and, and that's what that quarterback Jalen Hurts. He is that dude. I mean, he's got to be one of the most frustrating entities in all of pro football, arms, legs, running strength, smarts, accuracy this year. Um, And I've asked a lot of my guests this, and I have to ask you because I always love your perspectives. We have so many questions about him coming into this season, and he has checked off every box you can possibly check off up to this point. How impressed are you by how far he's come in in such a short amount of time? Or after you've watched him back in the OTAs and the mini camps and through training camps, could you see this happening? I mean, no, I'm not going to say that, that I saw this and, and even like speaking to Quincy Avery, who is his personal quarterback guy in the off season, he said that even he didn't see this coming. Like he was predicting top 10 quarterback, yeah. but he wasn't predicting like maybe the, the best quarterback, at least this year, you know, certainly in the, mm-hmm. in the MVP conversation. And so what, what we knew about him was obviously very gifted. Uh, we know how determined he is. We know how much of a leader he is. We know the kind of work that he's going to put in. Um, what you didn't know is whether he was going to make that, that leap as a, as a passer. And there was, there was reason for skepticism about that, I think, like fairly so, because there's just not a, a whole lot of history of guys who have done that. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. you got Josh Allen, and it's like I kind of run out of examples of guys who have made this really impressive leap as a passer. But kind of learning about him and speaking with Brian Johnson, his quarterback's coach uh, with the Eagles, uh, was really instructional for me um, because the one thing that he said – is that he is a highly, highly intelligent player. Mm-hmm. And what he said is that he he sees the puzzle of 22 exceptionally well. And so really what it was for him, because he had never been in the same system for consecutive years, mm. uh, except for when he was back with his, his dad in high school, he never really had that opportunity, D-Gun. So but it, now he, he got like a full year last year of seeing – those plays against specific defenses. And he started figuring out the answers to each of them. Okay, if they present this, here's where I'm going with the football. And he was able to piece it all piece it all together. So now he's got those answers. He's equipped with all that. 
Um, so he's got the mind, he's got the ability, he's got the arm, and it's all come together now that he's mm-hmm. able to, to see that puzzle of 22, now that he has kind of like the memory on tape for him. Right. He knows where to go with the football, and and uh, and that's why we've seen such a, a big leap as a passer for him. Tim, you have been there every practice session, every post game interview with him, um, and you've you've covered a lot of athletes. You've written so many stories, but when you look at him in particular, give me one thing that has consistently jumped out about him to you, whether it's as an athlete, as a person, or a combination of the two. I mean, one, you know, he's he said it the other week, like I set the temperature when he was asked about about why he doesn't get flustered in big moments. It's a really big thing to have. And I think when you contrast that with like Sirianni, it's kind of a nice yin and yang for them. You know, Sirianni flies off the handle uh, on game days and gets really emotional and that kind of thing. And and, you know, Hertz just has that kind of, you know, that steady charge. There's there's a determination about him that rises above even these elite athletes that he's surrounded by. Right. Cause all of these guys like have to be uh, crazy determined to, to reach the pinnacle of their profession, yep. but all of them talk about hurts in a way that, that exceeds everybody else. And uh, you know, Steichen and Nick Sirianni were, were just talking this week about it. it'll be Tuesday late at night, the building's empty with the exception of like, a handful of coaches who are in the coaching room trying to put the, the game plan together for that week. Like Hertz pops in, you know, he's still in the building just trying to figure out like, you know, what's going on? Like, what, what can I learn? How, how can I, I get better? Uh, so I think he's like, he's wired right for the city. And the fact that he is always kind of, he's got that calm, cool demeanor, mm-hmm. able to handle just about anything that's thrown at him always has his mind in the right place and a work ethic to back it up. I think that's a big part of the equation for Hertz. You know, obviously this is the point of the season where everybody starts talking about the MVP race and who's who's the front runner and who's a close second and third. Uh, I have said on my show Sports Take, as well as this platform uh, recently, that I think he is neck and neck with Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes obviously is going to be at the top because he's always a, a fan and a media favorite. I think Jalen Hurts is neck and neck with Patrick Mahomes right now. But I have this fear factor that if both quarterbacks continue on their course and putting up similar numbers, that Mahomes may get it by a popularity contest when Jalen is just as deserving as Mahomes is. How how do you see it? You would probably have better insight on how it's so-called selected. I mean, you, I guess you always run that, that risk when it comes to like pro bowl voting, we always know yeah. it's, it's, it's a year late for the guys yep. because like you have to have the, the build up recognition sometimes, especially for, for, for pro bowl where it takes a little bit longer than deserved. But uh, to me, it's clear cut. Like the MVP is Jalen hurts. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it stays on this plane, he's, he's the MVP. I know, I know. I mean, obviously respect what Mahomes does. And, sure. and if you're going off of, you know, strictly passing, then then the numbers are going to be in Mahomes' favor. But if you're if you're totaling up what Hurts brings to the table, the fact that he has been unstoppable in multi ways, like there's it, it it's the ground game that he brings, and is through the air. His passing numbers, you know, in terms of completion rate, if you're talking about total touchdowns, yeah, like there's yeah. any kind of like stat that you want to look at, he's right up there. And then if you're trying to find a tiebreaker. 
Look at the records. That's right. I mean, I don't know how you can take it away from from Hertz. If it continues on this plane, he's got to be the MVP in my mind. Well, I hope I hope you are more accurate than I ever have been about this one. Um, let's go back quickly to the game on uh, this past Sunday against Tennessee. How surprised were you by the lopsided score? Everybody thought this was going to be a knockdown, drag out, close call, might even be a whoever has the ball last type game. And Eagles said, nah, we don't see it that way. I was surprised. I mean, I when I was looking before they lost to the Commanders, D-Gun, I was looking like, where could their first loss come? Mm-hmm. And I kept stopping at Tennessee because it's like, okay, they have the physicality. Mm-hmm. They have the ground game. Like this is the the type of formula that that could beat the Eagles and and press them in their vulnerabilities. And they just smoked the Titans. Um, and what I learned when they were coming off of the field was that they took it very personal during the course of the week. So this is probably Sirianni pushing some, some right motivational buttons during the course of the week. Uh, that everybody was labeling Tennessee as like mm-hmm. this bar of how tough you should be and everything's measured against their physicality. And they, they took that as an affront, like Brandon Graham, as you've you know, been on the other end of many times oh, yeah. where he's coming off the field and he's feeling a certain kind of way. And he yep. pointed, he pointed at me and he pointed at some other guys and he's like, all of y'all were saying King Henry. Like I heard it. And then, <laughs> and then you had a couple of other guys that were saying, People were saying this was going to be a playoff game. Like they, the Titans quit in the third quarter. Uh, and then you could like feel it from Hassan Reddick afterwards saying that it didn't sit right with them, that the Titans were being labeled as the most physical team. And, and Miles Sanders said, I think this tells everybody that we're the most physical team, the toughest team in the NFL, mm. and that we're the ones that should be measured, that everybody else should be measured against in that capacity. Uh, so they just continue to prove points like, you know, game after game, week after week, here's the test. All right, let's ace the test. They did it again. You know, it's funny because you, when you talk about football, football is such a high emotion game. Um, and it's like you don't you don't really need any additional adrenaline or bulletin board material to get pumped up for a game. But after listening to all the players' comments as they walked up the field about, you know, who's fi- who's the most physical team now, boy, they really took that personal in terms of, uh, people saying the Eagles weren't as physical as a team like the Titans, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And and I uh, know Sirianni well enough to to know that that was then part of the messaging because he's been very good about that at illustrating during the week his point and driving it home and then the players responding to that. So you mm-hmm. can bet that during team meetings – that was that was brought up. They had double motivation, I think. Degon, I think that they had the whatever slight uh, perceived or or real uh, yeah. about about the physicality, and it, and then they had their friend AJ Brown going up against against uh, his old team, and he was feeling slighted himself. Those those two things worked pretty well in their favor. Once uh, Traylon Burks got knocked out of the game, Tennessee became even more one dimensional. Man, they cut off every road possible that Derrick Henry. Uh, would attempt to travel down. I, I I might go so far as to say I thought overall it was the defense's best tackling outing of, of the year. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think that's right. And you know, that's one of the weaknesses obviously we know for preceding weeks was was the run defense. And now comes in arguably the best running back of them all and they shut them down. And they, and they shut them down with a couple of pieces missing from the defense. That's another reason why I had some apprehension i guess about about the game and decidedly picking the eagles is because 
you know, they were without Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who had, had gone down. They were the interceptions leader. And I just didn't know, like, how that back end would be functioning, uh, especially with, you know, Avante Maddox also missing. And yep. were, would there be blown assignments? And maybe somebody just springs loose 70 yards down the field or Derrick Henry finds a lane and just goes. And they were they were uh, sound as can be. So. I know Jonathan Gannon gets a lot of hate in this town, uh, yeah. but I, but you know, he's, he's, uh, he's on a nice little stretch right now. I'm going to ask, uh, what is your feelings on, on Gannon? Um, you talked to him. Um, you've watched this scheme like the rest of us. W- what's your angle on Jonathan? I think he's, uh, I think he's really smart. I think he's got a good game plan and a philosophy that is fit to modern day football. Uh, he's got a couple guiding principles. I think he wants to keep the big play off of you. Believes that's uh, one of the, like the key stats. Like at the end of the day, did you win the game or not? Or well, how many, you know, big, you know, twenty plus yard plays did you give up? And the other one is how much are you taking the ball away? Um, and we've seen that this year, you know, he's they're taking the ball away higher than than anybody else in the NFL. And the and the basic philosophy is is working well. Last year he took it way to the extreme. Uh, you know, trying to keep that big play off of you. Like you don't let five quarterbacks complete 80% plus passes against you, you know, like quarterbacks on average, it was 70% that they were completing. So you you saw that one, his personnel probably wasn't exactly what he needed. He still needed to add a couple pieces, which he did. Uh, And the second, you know, Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick being two key pieces there, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Uh, But then the other part is he started making adjustments. He, he, showed how green he was as a, a DC last year. Mm-hmm. And now while he's not perfect has, has kind of adjusted the formula a little bit uh, to make sure that he's not going too much to the extreme. And, and uh, it's been working pretty well. The only words that, that really make you cringe or made you cringe when you talked about this Eagles team was special teams, mm. because up until the Tennessee game, it was not just a job. It was an adventure with the special teams on this, on this Eagle squad. But all of a sudden, this particular Sunday, the kickoff coverage team, and I'm, I'm watching on TV, Tim, and I'm hearing pass popping, pop, 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 pop. You know, Brenton Covey, all of a sudden, he's averaging 17 yards of return, 17 and a half yards of return. People are turning around and blocking for him. And, and, and he had 105 return yards and six uh, punt returns. What, what the heck got into these guys? What, what did Michael Clay do to these guys, man? <laughs> they definitely made a couple of adjustments, like you saw Christian Ellis. Uh, you know, come up and, yeah. and get from the practice squad. And he was really good. You had some guys that were already on special teams like Nakobe Dean, who uh, uh, continued to assert themselves. But here's kind of like the basic way that I see special teams and how the Eagles were approaching it. I think the message more or less uh, to the special teams was don't screw it up. Mm. Like we got a good offense. We have a defense that's setting the offense up in good position by taking the ball away, just like, stay out of their way. And so what did that mean? It meant conservative play calling uh, from, from Michael Clay. Like if you think about it, what you saw out of Britton Covey in this past game was different than what you've seen out of every other one. Yep. He didn't change like who he was in, in one day, but he was taking runs to the outside. They were designing more runs on, on kick return and punt return to go to the outside. And then all of a sudden, that wasn't scouted on tape. I don't think Tennessee was prepared for it. And he started getting these big lanes down, down the sideline mm-hmm. that Cubby was able to take advantage of. And Scott in the kick return game was able to take advantage of. And then, you know, 
adding some more pieces on on the kickoff team and just being putting more of an emphasis on it. Like that's one thing that we've seen that this team, once they start putting an emphasis on on a vulnerability, it gets better and it gets better pretty quick. And I think we saw evidence of that. I I have to apply AJ Brown. Um, you knew how much this was eating at him, this game coming up. And no matter how much the media asked him about it leading up to this game, he held his emotions in check. And then, of course, he he told you how he truly felt after the game, just how much he wanted th- this game. And then he also admitted once again that he wanted to continue and finish his career in Tennessee. Um, when you when you talk about an AJ Brown, and you look at how he just bulldozes people, and with the speed and the athleticism as, as that he has, is there anybody can match up one on one with this guy? Doesn't look that way. Mm. Doesn't look that way. And, and even when he's he's covered up, like we saw in that second touchdown, he's still catching it. Mm. That was that was great coverage down down the left sideline. And he just you know flashed those late hands. The DB was right where he needed to be, and and he was able to come away with it. And you know, so so AJ Brown, I think, is a scary player to go up against. And he's even scarier when he's motivated. And you're right. He he did yeah. his best to, to, to play it down. But you you could hear in those post-game comments yeah, yeah. him saying things like, you know, you feel like you're just being kind of pushed to the side or, you know, just kind of giving that sentiment like all of a sudden, you know, this prideful player is not feeling wanted by an organization that he wanted to retire with. And that's the exact kind of player that you want to pay and you want to keep not just because he's young and not just because he's gifted, but also because he's a really good teammate yep. um, and he's, he's everything that you want off the field. The Eagles you know, scored big time when they, when they landed him, it's been so big for the offense. It's been huge for Jalen hurts. Like hurts and Brown are best friends as we know. So, right. so, so what does that mean? You know, the, the way that Brown put it to me is because Hertz knows that he has somebody who has his back mm-hmm. like unequivocally. It allows Hertz to move the way that he wants to move is the way that Brown put it to me. So that's like, mm-hmm. as a leader, as you're kind of stepping into your own, like to have that shield, right. To have that coverage of a, of a superstar behind you mm-hmm. going to be in the fire with you, no matter what it's big time. It's big time. Uh, you know, the Eagles benefited from the Titans mistakes and that, you know, you know, the general manager seemingly, you know, the timing of that suggests that, you know, he, he paid for it too. Miles Sanders is closing in on a thousand yard rushing season. I, I, from my perspective, I have, in the time I've watched Miles, I've never seen him run with the type of authority he is running with this year, breaking tackles, keeping the feet moving. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be a contract year for him. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, there was always, there were signs like before. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Like I remember going into last off season, writing a piece, which like I had the duck and cover from, uh, yeah. which was like, you know, Sanders could be poised for a breakout year. Like I remember 
watching him in training camp, seeing the fluidity and the burst through the hole, uh, seeing the offensive line that's in front of him, him being paired with Jalen Hurts, who obviously is pulling attention away from Sanders. And man, this guy, you know, he, he might pop off this year. And of course it didn't go that way. They didn't, they weren't running as much in the beginning of the season last year. He gets hurt like at the exact moment that they decided to shift to a run heavy team, unfortunate for him. <laughs> and, uh, and then now uh, there was some personal slights. I think that, that he was feeling where he's, he's going into a contract year. People aren't talking about him as, you know, one of the, the, the top backs, there's questions after one day in training camp this summer about when he was working with the second team about what that meant. And was he yeah. a, a number two RB? And he heard that and yeah, he got pissed off and he made it known. Like every time this summer that he, he broke off a big run, seemingly he was like pointing in the direction of the media and yelling um, who knows what he was saying. Cause he was far away, but you know, uh, it, you know, it wasn't pleasantries. I'm sure. And uh, so he's got, yeah, he's got that edge about him and he's healthy. And I, I think the work that he did in the off season to, to get a little bit bigger with his lower body yep. has paid off too. So now you're seeing him run with anger. You're seeing him run behind a really good offensive line with Jalen Hurts. Uh, and there's a level of maturity to his game where it's all just sort of come together in a contract year. No, no better time. And, um, you know, he's setting himself up, I think, for, for a pretty nice payday wherever, wherever that might be. Oh, so you people in the media are responsible for pushing him to another level then. Is that it? Yeah, apparently. You know, <laughs> BG was mad at us, so I guess we we're responsible for, for the Titans win and, and for pushing Miles Sanders. I'll, I'll, let's take the credit for it, D-Gun. All right, man. Hey, look, the last couple of games prior to uh, Tennessee's game, the tight end position had been a forgotten entity in a passing game. You know, two catches in the previous two games. All of a sudden, the tight end. Uh, resurfaces in the Tennessee game, stole three catches, Calcaterra catch. Um, we know they have athleticism, but um, do you think it's going to grow, should I say continue to evolve as long as Goddard's out? And we assume Goddard's coming back sooner rather than later. But do you think that part of the game will, will reemerge itself back into the overall passing arsenal? Yeah, to a certain extent. Hey, Shane yeah. Steichen's on fire, isn't he? I'm telling you, man. Yeah, he can like do he no can wrong. He can do whatever he wants right now, and it's it's working. Um, and, yeah, I think that uh, another reason why I kind of felt like this was a, a weather, the storm portion of the schedule, yeah. it's like just kind of get out of it, you know, with with more losses, more wins than you have losses is because of you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Avante Maddox, and then Dallas Goddard. Like, that's a, sure. that's a big part of your offense that's right. who, who helps you in the pass and the run game, but they've been able to push through that. And, yeah, I think that – uh, the running backs are getting a little bit more involved in the pass game. You're starting to see some of the other tight ends contribute as well. And so that just further opens up the playbook for Steichen and Sirianni when Goddard gets back. It's like we can throw any number of personnel packages at you, and yep. you got a lot to think about. We finally got an extended look at Nicobe Dean. I mean, he only had four defensive snaps up until this past Sunday. All of a sudden, he gets 15 defensive snaps against Tennessee, and Oh, it just so happens he's the co-leader in tackles. He has six tackles. Do you think his role, not as a special teams player, but as a defensive entity, will continue to increase slightly? Or is it a case of you're just going to have to wait your turn because Kazir White, T.J. Edwards, and Hassan Reddick are just playing better football right now? That's a pretty good snap-to-tackle ratio, isn't it? I'm telling you, man, not bad. 
15 snaps, uh, six tackles. And so he did as much with that opportunity as he possibly could. Like, how can you, how can you do more? And I think that that's, you know, a story that I'm going to start focusing a little bit more on is because mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty fascinating. If you think about it, he was one of the biggest stars in college football a year ago. Right. He's, you know, he was, he was the big man on campus, no doubt about it. And now he has to come and specialize largely in a, in a special teams role. Mm. Like there has to be a, a decent amount of humility that you have as a, a person and a player yeah. to do that, not let it get to you and still, you know, really go out and perform at, at a, at a high level at kind of your, you know, your, your very specific role. Yep. And uh, he's done a nice job of that. Um, you know, they've been singing his praises on special teams. And now he's doing it more on the defensive side. I don't know how much you can grow his role uh, mm-hmm. with with White and Edwards in there, but I think he's earned more playing time. I think that's that's at a minimum. Give him a, a few more snaps here and there. Find packages where you put him on the field. And then, um, as as Michael Clay said to uh, this week, he's like, you know, everybody knows that his time is coming. It, it might be next year, but – you know, there's going to be a time where he gets a chance to star in this defense. See, I just gave you your next story on ESPN.com. See, see, I'm here for you, man. We have to talk more. So, you know, <laughs> get these creative juices flowing. Hey, look, you've been you've been around Nick Sirianni since he's been here. How has he grown as a uh, communicator uh, with his players and with the media and as a coach, as the overall architect of what this team is doing? That's a good question. I think that uh, we all know that he was shaky at first, publicly yep. at least. Yep. I mean, you know, that was he was getting a lot of heat because he nobody really knew who he was, and yep. his introductory press conference was not great. And you know, there's the flower analogy at two and five, and people in Philly are like, "Who is this dude?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but he's he's he stayed true to who he is. And I think that's kind of the most important thing uh, from a player's perspective is you don't want a guy that's running hot and and cold with the temperature outside. You want somebody who's authentic and, um, and somebody that is a, is there for them. Uh, And and that's something that I think that we're learning is that he is genuine and he is a very good teacher. And I think Mm. that he's assembled, assembled an excellent coaching staff. It's, you know, a year from now, two years from now, I think you'll look back and you'll be like, man, they had they had Jonathan Gannon and they had Shane Steichen and they had mm-hmm. Brian Johnson with Stout and all these guys like, wow, that's that's not bad. Um, and, you know, he's he's been, I think, good at taking the the core principles that he has and figuring out a way each week to take one of them, find a creative way to spin on it, whether it's with, you know, videos or, you know, some kind of story. Uh, making sure that there's always a theme, making sure that there's always focus, making sure that there's always the proper perspective that a team is is going in with. And also, I think, you know, humility has been a, a pretty big thing with him, too. Like, if you think about how badly these guys want to be play callers coming up the ranks and for him to give it up and and not pull it, pull it back from Shane Steichen uh, was a, a turning point for mm. for this team. Um, and, and he, you know, and he's, he stayed true to it. So, you know, that shows a, a degree of, of servant leadership as well, I think. Hey, well, up next, uh, these New York giants, and we've watched them from afar all season long and have been impressed in terms of how a guy named Brian Dable is coming in and turn that team around basically the same nucleus that was there a year ago. All of a sudden they're very much in the playoff conversation, but in the last four, they're now one, two, and one. 
And everybody kept saying, you know, eventually we're going to wait for the Giants, the bottom to fall out on this team. Is the bottom falling out on the Giants? Have they hit that proverbial wall? Uh, yeah, they're coming back to earth a bit. Uh, okay. And I think that was what everybody expected was for them to, to fall. If you look at the roster, it's like, can they really sustain this, you know, through a full 17 games? Probably not. But it, 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 I don't think that they're just going to be like this now uh, because, you know, to your point, I think they're they're well coached. How about Philly's uh, Mike Kafka, former oh, okay. former Eagle, as, yeah, the, as the OC there as well? They seem to be getting the most out of their personnel groups, and I think that the you know the Eagles coming off of that you know sort of statement game, that emotional game, and then turning mm-hmm. it back to business on the road against a divisional opponent, like we probably shouldn't sleep on this game as just. A walkover. If you, if you look at it, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are, are clearly the superior team from mm-hmm. a talent perspective, but we also know how divisional teams go, and we also know what the roller coaster of a season looks like, and that there's games. Look at the Commanders game that you think is an automatic win that turns out not to be an automatic win. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that they're done, um, you know, and I'm not going to say that this game's a walkover because because uh, the NFL is weird. Mm. Who concerns you more with that Giants uh, unit? Brian Dable or Wink Martindale? Uh, probably Dable. Um, you know, Martindale, I think, is going to, if, if at least if his his history proves out, he's going to be blitzing a lot at, at Hertz. Yeah. And that was a problem for her, for him earlier, but it seems like he's solved that one too. Uh, so I, I have confidence in this offense to be able to figure out the answers. They just, just because they, they always do. Um, yeah, so I, I, I would say I put it more on Dable because of, I don't know, he just always seems to, to figure out a way to, mm-hmm. to make the most of what he's got. And, you know, Barkley, I think, is going to be deployed in creative ways, try to get him going. They're, they're going to kind of poke and prod and see if they can figure out some weaknesses on the Eagles' defense. Well, since um, the, the the Eagles have brought in reinforcements uh, along the defensive trenches in Dominican Sue and Linville Joseph, uh, they've done a much better job in terms of defending against the run. I mean, they did a really good job against the combination of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They basically stonewall King Henry. But how do you stop this guy named Saquon Barkley, who's already over 1,000 yards now? He's all the way back. He might be the comeback player of the year. Yeah, and Jonathan Gannon was talking about him uh, today in, in glowing terms and basically saying that, you know, he's somebody, you know, you can just do traditional running with and also he can, they can hit him just on quick screens, uh, pitch it out to him. He can line up in the slot as a passer, the whole thing. And he's, so he's he's kind of front and center on their radar. I think you're absolutely right to, to bring up the additions of, of Joseph and Sue and mm-hmm. recognize not just that, you know, especially Joseph, uh, you know, has been playing at a, at a pretty high level considering these guys, you know, weren't playing this year be- before they, they joined the Eagles, but also because of what it does for the rest of the group. So right. uh, like Fletcher Cox, when he's running on empty playing, you know, 50 snaps or whatever it is relative to if I think like the top defensive lineman this past week, like topped yep. out at like 26 snaps, 27 snaps. Yeah, it is something. It, you know what I mean? So they're, they're keeping the load off of these guys and, and Cox, especially, and, you know, Graham it applies too. like, these guys are at stages of their career where you don't want to put too much on them. You want to keep them as fresh as possible, especially for the stretch run. So that's going to be a, a big key. Like they had six defensive tackles 
activated for for this past week against the Titans. Jeez. And you might see a similar similar story unfold this week as they have all eyes kind of focused on Saquon. Well, I can't wait to see this one. And of course, anytime you talk about an NFC East backyard brawl, always expect the unexpected. Hey, I got a, a couple of personal questions I want to ask you before I let you go. Um, yeah. how, how long have you been in the media game as a writer? Uh, so my first year on the on the beat was 2010. Okay. I came in with Brandon Graham. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, his his first year was was my first year. And I still remember being at Lehigh at training camp. And so his his first day, he's walking out the like the of the back of the facility, and that's where a lot of the media would hang out to kind of get a quick one-on-one with somebody or whatever. And so we were all hanging out lined up, and he came up and he he gave each one of us a, a handshake and a hug. Mm-hmm. And somebody made the comment because he was, he was brand new and a lot of guys come in with that enthusiasm and then they get, they get pounded down by this market and this profession. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, that's not going to last. And and he's like, no, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it different. And mm. um, he did. Right. Like he's, he's kept that, he's kept that same sort of, uh, you know, spirit about him uh, throughout the entire tenure, which wasn't always, you know, rosy and, and, uh, you know, Super Bowl hero, Brandon Graham. It was, yep. this guy's a bust, Brandon Graham heard a lot early, Brandon Graham. Um, so yeah, that's, so that, you know, yeah. So side by side with, uh, with BG from, from the start. From then to now, have you changed much, uh, in terms of your approach, uh, as a writer, uh, structuring, uh, your thoughts or, basically are you the same guy um i think i'm more like where i where i want to be so okay. the, so the so the industry then and i was one like you just had to you had to hustle like crazy like yep. just, i was with a startup and nobody knew who i was and so you're trying to you know make an impression and all that kind of stuff but also i think the industry as a writer was you're trying to get out like you know, seven, eight stories a day. Like it was, oh, yeah. it was frenetic. It was crazy. And it was like, you know, every, yeah, seemingly every half hour you're writing, writing something new. And you know, that, that has a sh- shelf life as a, as a reporter. So, um, you know, it, and I think that the way that I've changed and the way the industry has changed is they're, they're valuing more like being able to do some deep dives, do some deeper reporting, like, you know, try to find some, some substance. And so, I've been writing less, reporting more, and and focusing on on big picture stories, and that's that's kind of where where I want to be. Um, you ever hit that? You ever hit that wall as a writer? Um, you know, they always talk about you know when you have to crank out stories every day. You know, sometimes you're not as creative as you are other days. You ever you ever hit that wall? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fortunately, I'm not in one of those places right now, but I've. Right. I've been there I've, um, and it's not like all that infrequent where you get there. I was just uh, at my, my kid's school. I was presenting for like a young writer's day. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to get across to them is like, like I'll sit there at a computer screen for an hour and not type anything. So like, don't get frustrated if, if it doesn't come right to you or if some people are a lot faster than others, like I'm a slow writer um, everybody's got their, you know, their own methods and, and their own pace and, and, and the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so there, there are definitely those, those ebbs and flows to, mm. to the profession. 
Unfortunately, we we cover a team that that uh, always seems to be pretty interesting, one way or another, whether you they're at the top of the mountain or or at the bottom. Uh, you know, they give storylines, so that can that can kick you out of out of the rut pretty good, I guess. You know, the one the one thing that is always uh, that that always you know kind of eats at you in our profession is it's a relationship business. You build replace relationship with front office people athletes, trainers, so on and so forth. And I know in my case, sometimes it, it really made me uncomfortable when you had to be critical of somebody you were building such a positive bond with, but you had to do it anyway. I mean, it's your job. How difficult ha- has that been for you in terms of, you know, you have to attack at certain points. You, you know, it's going to get back to the subject you're talking about, but you still have to do your job because it's your job to be as objective as possible. Yeah. So I, I feel that on two different levels. Like I, I feel it on, on one as just from like a person to person, like I'm always considerate about or try to be about like, you know, the, the, the subject that I'm writing about, yeah. um, you know, try to be careful with my words. Like you want to criticize, but you also re- realize they're, they're people and so you, you try to keep that in mind as, as much as possible. So it can be tough, like when you have to be critical of a player. And then the other part of that is like the downside is you can spend uh, weeks, months, years building up a rapport with a with a guy. That's right. And sometimes one critical piece will blow that entire thing up. Absolutely. The entire thing up. So that's that can be that can be frustrating. Um, and the other part that just kind of as we're we're on that on that subject yeah. that I've learned that nobody taught me, D Gun, over the years is like replenishing sources is something I never thought about when I first got there because, like you said, you build up rapport with right. front office people, with coaches, with players, and we know how transient this this business is. Like those guys, you know, they're they're a lot of them. You know, the, the tenure is short. They're not. They go from from job to job. Job security is not a lot. So it's like. Oh man, I gotta like, I gotta start over and, and build it up back up again. Like that's not that's not something that they tell you about uh, until you're in it. You know the, the the best thing, the best way to answer that from my perspective is this: when you when you do the right thing, whether you are on their side or not on their side, as long as they perceive you as fair, you know, even if you have to confront them, they'll live with that because they understand you weren't attacking them; you were just reporting on what you're saying. And even if they if you got a locker room, if new direction comes in and and wipes out most of the locker room you're still going to have some holdovers Mm -hmm. and i've always found that when new players come in the first thing they ask the existing players are who are the people in the media you can talk to and you can trust so it's like passing that baton Mm -hmm. and because from what i've known of you you've always been that middle of the road guy fair and objective man you ain't never gonna have problem building relationships in the eagles locker room i appreciate that i mean you know Everybody needs to take their cues from you on on no, how to do that. No, no, honestly, you've you're you're as as good as as there is in, um, you know, being like like I said. Sometimes you you need to be critical of players, yeah. but yeah. but they know where you're coming from. They know they know the place that you're coming from, uh, Degon. I think you know it's one of the things that I respect most about you is the way that you've been able to do that, and you can just tell like when you're in a locker room, like the level of respect that they all have for you. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive to see. Uh, I'm writing the check now. Tim ah. McManus, 100 
thousand dollars. Is that okay? Is that good? Is that a good cover? Yeah, that's 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 good. That's good resident down payment. <laughs> Hey, T-Mac, man, thank you so much, man, for taking some time to spend with me on Gun on One. Um, you're one of, you've always been one of my favorites in this city since I've been here, and I've been here over two decades, man. I love how you approach your business, um, and, and I love how you just interact with people, you know, whether it's players or media people, man. Keep doing what you do how you do, brother, because you're one of the best at doing what you do. It means a lot coming from you. Much love and respect to you. Happy holidays to you and the family, D-Gun. Same to you, man. Happy holidays to you and your beautiful family, brother, and enjoy the times, man, because let me tell you something. As a man who has kids who are grown now, those moments fly by real quick, brother. It's a good reminder as they're screaming in the background. <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> I man. appreciate these. All right. All right, brother. All right, that's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One. Hey, everybody, thanks for watching and listening in. And so tell you guys each and every week, stay blessed, but more importantly, whenever you get a chance, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. I mean, what does it cost you to be nice, right? Until next time, from my man, Tim McManus of ESPN.com. And don't forget, you can check him out on this platform on ESPN and always check him out on Twitter, his social media platforms. For Tim McManus, I'm Derek Gunn. So long, everybody. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. We're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old school greats and new school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.